You're listening to The Real Foster Parents of Colorado. I'm Hope, and I started Foster Together Colorado to meet the needs I saw in my first three years as a foster mom. My theory, and it has proven true so far, is that if we make it easy to learn about the human stories of foster care, then good-hearted Coloradans will be ready to help in simple ways. This is the only podcast focused on foster parenting or child welfare in Colorado. Our goal is to make foster care fascinating by stories from neighbors to neighbors and living room conversations. This podcast is the next best thing to meeting a foster parent in real life and asking them all those questions. How do you make it work? Don't you get attached? What's it like when they leave? This is episode three. I'm sharing a story written by Christy M., It's all about how she, as a second-generation foster and adoptive mom, learned what not to do by watching her parents. Christy is a dedicated administrator on one of my favorite online support groups. It's called Parenting Teens and Tweens with Connection. If you're a foster, adoptive, step, or special needs parent desiring to bring more gentleness and healing into your home, join this group. All the best practical advice, philosophical consistency, and friendly encouragement of a support group without meeting times or childcare. Okay, here's Christy's story. When I was growing up, my parents fostered mostly babies, but there were a few emergency placements of older children. Those placements have stuck with me my entire life. When I was 12, two little girls came into our home. They were distant relatives of a Hollywood actor, and my mom's first comment was, Rich people don't even want their own relatives. Now, if I remember that comment, I guarantee you that comment went straight into the hearts of those little girls who were 7 and 11. My family was not very connected, also known as trauma-informed, and honestly, they should have never fostered. But that's for another day. The 11-year-old shared my bed. I remember not knowing what to do because she would go to sleep quietly sobbing. I didn't tell my mom because, frankly, there was no compassion. So these children were expected to just get in line with the family, do what the family did, eat what the family ate, somehow be respectful, do their chores, and be happy. They were supposed to just know that you don't wipe cereal from the table onto the floor. When that happened, they were, quote, consequenced. And I ask, how in the world would they have known what to do and what not to do in the family they'd never been in? How I wish I could personally redo those two weeks. Instead of saying, don't wipe cereal onto the floor, don't you know that? I would have said, let me help you. I was a kid, but I deeply felt the pain these girls felt. The judgment, the loss, the uncertainty. It was there, and I had no idea what to say. They left, and the next year, a girl came into my 8th grade class from foster care. She was nervous and laughing and inappropriate. She sat beside me in art. I'll never forget the little figures she drew. They were that of a toddler. She knew it, and she was embarrassed. Trauma hurts our kids. She was only at our school for a few weeks, and then she moved on. How many of our kids have had this very scenario? They come into a home they know nothing about, life is uncertain, they stay for a short time, get in trouble, and move on. The constant moving means they never grow. They stay at the place of their trauma. And then, some are adopted. They may be adopted at 12 or 13, but I promise you they are not 12 or 13. They are just like the little girl in my 8th grade art class. They are toddlers. Nervous, insecure, unsure. Have compassion. Please understand how deep biological roots go, even to the way a person crosses their legs, laughs, or holds a book. They are so far behind neurotypically. How can they be expected to move forward if they are stuck in the past? 
When we say treat them where their trauma began because they are acting developmentally younger, that does not mean, well, you're acting like a three-year-old, so I'm going to treat you that way. No, that is shame. It means, oh, honey, let me see your hurt. Let me sing to you. Let me cuddle you. May I read you a bedtime story? Here, let me help you with washing your hair. Will you walk with me to take out the trash? How about if you put the things in the basket at the grocery store? All the things a younger child would naturally experience, they need to experience to walk through the process. And then, then you will see great growth. When my daughter came home at 11, she was a three-year-old level for play. She played with the toy kitchen with our grandson, who was three. As we worked with her, nurturing her as a little one, even giving her a Christmas present early so she didn't burst before Christmas, letting her pick things, letting her use the kitty carts of the store, letting her hunt for Easter eggs, all the things she'd been ashamed about or missed, she began to develop quickly. And she went from three years old to her age group within a couple of years. Please remember that children who have not had family, who've been orphaned or in foster care, may not understand family structure. It must be lived, and they must be accepted and loved, just like a newborn baby. As they learn that they are accepted and loved, they will begin to fall into place. Just as you do not consequence a newborn baby for crying in the middle of the night or for throwing up on you, you cannot consequence a child who is newly home or really does not understand what to do. Instead, you teach, lead, and guide with great care and compassion. If you need to step back and do things over yourself and tweak how you're relating to your child, do it. You will not regret it. You can read more from Christy on her blog or by joining the Parenting Teens and Tweens with Connection group where she's very active. I put a link to all of these resources in the show notes for this episode, episode three, at fostertogetherco slash blog. Thanks for listening to the Real Foster Parents of Colorado. If you want to support the work, we've set a goal to grow our monthly donor team to 25 people before May 1st. We already have 19, so we have four days to find six more friends to donate any amount every month. Whether you can afford $10 or $100, you'll help us keep these stories coming. It's easy to sign up and see how exactly we'll invest your donation at fostertogether.co slash donate. Thanks for checking it out. See you next time.